When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Why, hello there and welcome back. I am your host, Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 141 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing mini minimalist challenges as we embark on the new school year. Now, I know to some of my international listeners, you may not be starting a new school year, and if so, just bear with me. But for the rest of us, September is the time for school. And ever since I was a child, I have harbored mixed feelings about the month. That's because on the one hand, September is the end of summer, where I live at least, and I know that there is a long and there is a cold and there is a snowy winter just around the corner. So, dun-dun-dun, meh, to September. (laughs) But on the other hand, September tends to usher in both a literal and a figurative change in the air. Where I live, the humidity disappears. September 1st comes and there is just a feeling of autumn in the air. It's suddenly easier to breathe again. The kids do head back to school in September and there is a reintroduction of routines after months of routine-free living. And although if I am being honest, I'm not so looking forward to the packing of lunchboxes and the earlier wake-up times in my home, I am definitely looking forward to infusing a bit more structure into my family's days. COVID has made everything go stale, right? If that makes any sense. It's time to shake things up, so to speak. And even though my first grader will only be going to school two days in person a week and the other three will be remote, I do believe that it is exactly the start of a new school year to shake up what COVID has ushered in. And perhaps you feel the same in your own homes too. Now, while January is often viewed as the start of a new year, I believe there is something to be said for September being the start of something new, too. And that's where today's episode comes in. If you are like me, and if you have been without routines for way too long, if you have even maybe perhaps neglected your own self-care and your own personal development for way too long thanks to COVID-19, and now you're feeling the effects of that personal neglect, this is the episode for you. Today, I have listed eight mini challenges, one for each month of the school year. They are small and they are attainable. 
and they touch on one of our favorite subjects, right? It's either going to be a minimalist strategy, a simple living strategy, or of course, an eco-friendly one, and they're all mixed in together. Now, who doesn't love a really great challenge, right? I love challenges. Challenges rock. They keep me accountable. They're fun. It's even better when you have a bit of camaraderie to cheer you on. My hope is that you join me in some of the monthly challenges I'm listing today, or even better, all of them. Perhaps you do them in order, or perhaps you move them around in a way that makes better sense for you. Whatever you decide to do, please reach out to me either on social media or through email and let me know how the experience is going for you. I love to hear from listeners. It is probably the best part about having a podcast. And that is the darn truth. Now, this week's show notes, everything we are talking about today can be found in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 141. And be on the lookout. We will be hearing from this week's sponsors, Real Paper and Blissoma, in the middle of the episode. Enjoy. The first challenge I have for you to tackle in September is an eco-friendly one, and it is to commit to packing zero-waste lunches. Now, right off the bat, I must say this. Although packing homemade lunches can feel tedious, it is absolutely possible, if it is financially possible for your family, to commit yourself to packing plastic-free lunches five days a week. Now, because of the convenience factor, many working professionals and school-age children purchase daily lunches outside of the home, right? And for many of us, the reason is financial. School food lunch programs reduce food insecurity for countless children nationwide. And if that is your situation, then this strategy is not for you. (laughs) You should take advantage of those school lunch programs. You should take advantage of breakfast programs, and you should feel good about doing it. But for the rest of us, making lunches at home reduces the excessive waste that comes in those prepackaged options. Now, zero-waste lunchboxes are not as hard as they sound, and if you have the right gear, it will be as easy as pie. The right gear includes a thermos, lidded glass or metal containers, reusable bags, an extra set of metal silverware, and a cloth napkin. That is it. Now, I'm going to go through all the gear you need one by one really quick. The thermos. You need to get a thermos that is of high quality, that actually keeps food hot, that doesn't leak. When you find one you like, and I will link to the one that I have and use and love in both my kids' lunchboxes in this week's show notes, but when you find one that actually works, you open up a whole new world of lunch packing because it means you can pack leftovers for your child or your partner's or your own lunch. And when you can do that, you really can start to think, beyond the ho-hum sandwiches that you and I probably grew up with in our own lunchboxes. So thermos is number one. Next up is reusable containers. I use glass containers. They have never broken in six years of owning them. I've even invested in a second set for my second daughter. If the thought of glass is a little too scary for you, go for the metal ones, but they need to be lidded. 
It should go without saying, too, that metal tends to be more school-friendly than glass. Perhaps your child's school will snick the glass containers right off the bat, and if so, just go for the metal ones. But having the having an abundance of these containers means that on Sunday night, you can pre-package a bunch of lunchbox-friendly foods in these little containers, just put them in the corner of the fridge, and then when it comes time to actually pack the lunchbox, you just take a couple of those little containers, you shove them in the lunchbox, and you are done. Now, next up is reusable bags. There are so many reusable bags on the market these days. I'm not even going to (laughs) talk about the differences, but do know that some are made of silicone, which is more eco-friendly than ones made of plastic. So be on the lookout for that. The silicone ones also happen to be much more expensive. But when you have reusable bags, you no longer have to stick the pretzels or the popcorn in Ziplocs. Now, finally, a cloth napkin and a set of reusable silverware. I take my family's normal set of forks and spoons, pack one in each child's lunchbox. I have trained them to not (laughs) throw out (laughs) my silverware at school. They know that that silverware needs to come home, as does the cloth napkin. And there you go. There's not a hint of waste and there is not a hint of plastic in the lunchbox. Now, really quick, the lunchbox. When you're picking a lunchbox, if you're in the market for a lunchbox, really measure the one you're looking at first to make sure it fits into your child's backpack because there are a lot of oversized lunchboxes on the market and they may not even fit in your child's backpack. And when that happens, you're setting yourself up for days and days of stress trying to shove it in. (laughs) So measure first, make sure it fits. And remember that lunchboxes that have zippers tend to be more easily manipulated by little fingers than buckles or snaps. And even though Velcro tends to be the easiest to manipulate of all, Velcro does lose its stick over time. So if you are in the lunchbox packing business for the long haul, I suggest you go for the zipper. Now, this is a super long (laughs) September, but I do have three really quick packing tips for you if you are on board and ready to challenge yourself. The first one is to avoid experimenting when you're packing a lunch. Don't be creative. Don't be imaginative. Don't send things that you're not sure whether your kids will eat in the lunchboxes because worst case scenario, they throw these items out and you never know whether they were consumed or not, food waste or best worst case scenario is they just bring them home uneaten. Lunchbox success is really measured by consumption. So how much does your kid eat? Stick with the tried and trues, the stuff you know they love, and save imaginative meals for dinner time. Lunchbox tip number two is to stay away from the snack packs. So I know, I get it. The extracurriculars, the bath times, the early bedtimes, weeknights are hectic, right? And so to reduce that overwhelm, so many parents buy the pirate's booty in the cellophane bag or the cheese sticks in the plastic. Instead, really harness the power of those reusable containers, those either those glass or metal containers that you have invested in, and fill them up on Sunday. Put them in the corner of your fridge and take one at a time on Tuesday, Wednesday night for the next day's lunch. Voila, you have just made your own snack packs, essentially, and you have done it 
without any plastic, any waste in sight. Now, finally, before we move on to October, my final lunchbox tip for you is to remember the food pyramid. Now, I am aging myself right now. (laughs) Back when I was a kid, the food pyramid was all the rage. And as I was researching for this episode, I learned that the food pyramid is no more. The food pyramid was replaced with the My Plate graphic in 2011. It's no longer a pyramid, everybody. It is a plate <laughs> that is split up into portion. And even though it's a different visual, the original design of that triangle retains much of its wisdom in the plate. And The wisdom is that a balanced meal is one that is comprised with at least 50% fruit and vegetables and whole grains and really good varied proteins. But dairy, that should constitute a small portion of the lunchbox, and sugar should be extremely limited, if not non-existent altogether. So pair that pyramid or pair that plate with common sense as a means of simplifying the lunchbox packing process. When I pack my children's lunchboxes, I pack them with a vegetable, a fruit, a protein, a dairy, and a snack. Nothing more and nothing less, because if I send too much, the healthy stuff comes home uneaten, and if I send too little, they are just hangry monsters (laughs) at pickup time. So remember that pyramid or that plate as a means of really just taking the stress out of wondering what on earth to pack. Okay, that by far was the longest tip of today. The rest of these are going to fly by. So we are on to October. After you have mastered the zero waste lunchbox in September, you are going to move right on to October, which is a slow living strategy. And that is to focus on one relationship in your life and improve it. Now, you likely already know in the back of your mind, which relationship in your life needs a little bit of TLC, just know that it could be your spouse, it could be your partner, or the relationship that you want to improve could be a friend. It could be a friendship that you've been neglecting. It could be a family member that you're just not connecting with so much lately. Make the person that you choose, the one person you choose, be your priority for the month of October. So how can you make a person your priority beyond the obvious? Well, you spend time with them, right? Invite the person over for dinner or have one-on-one time with this person. Go out for a cup of coffee, take a walk in the woods together, just the two of you. There's nothing better than one-on-one time without a cell phone, without distractions. Another idea is to after you spend time together, write this person a handwritten note that conveys how much you enjoyed the time with them. Another idea would be to determine a legitimate need the person has and then fulfill it. Could you make the person a meal to ease his or her burden? Could you bring over some flowers to brighten his or her mood? Find a need and fill it for them. Just know here that you know, you don't have to go over the top. Usually it's the smallest gestures that pack the biggest punch, right? Finally, one other idea for really improving on a relationship in your life during October is to just call the person. No one calls me anymore, (laughs) right? I no longer call anybody either. These days, 
at least in my life and maybe in yours too, communication is done almost entirely through text, but there's something very impersonal about texting. There's something very robotic about texting, maybe. It's like the lazy way. And I say that with love because I do it. I don't call a single person ever. (laughs) But let's all in October pick up the phone and make a phone call instead. All right, we are moving right on to challenge for November, and this is a tried and true minimalist strategy. It's so simple, but so impactful. It is to remove five things from your home each day. Now, what is the purpose of this? By removing five things from your home each day in November, by the end of the month, you will have decluttered 150 unnecessary items from your home without even breaking a sweat. And what I love about making this your November goal and why I explicitly and purposefully put it in the November slot is because doing so in November prepares your home for the inevitable excess that is coming your way as the holidays are ushered in, right? Even if you are the best at conveying your minimalist principles, you know there is going to be an influx of stuff coming into your house in December despite your best wishes. So I have found in my own life that it's best to prepare for it. Now, of course, it goes without saying, as we are talking about decluttering five things from our homes each day in November, we're, we're doing so responsibly, right? We're not just going to chuck it in the trash. If it's something that's genuinely trash, of course, we'll trash it. But for the rest of it, we're going to try to rehome it, donate it, sell it, And if you have an item that is really just a stumper, you don't know what to do with it, you feel really bad throwing it out, you feel like there's still some value that could be added to somebody's life in the object, but you don't know what to do with it, who to give it to, where to put it, just join our private Facebook group. Search Facebook for The Sustainable Minimalists, and you, I promise, will receive the support you seek as you seek to declutter responsibly. All right, we are moving right on to December. This is a super quick one, but a super important one. In December, the challenge is to support local small businesses as you do your holiday shopping. Now, last week's episode, episode 140, was all about how to support small businesses and why it's important. So if you missed last week's episode, episode 140, go back and listen to it. It is my hope that it will give you that motivation you need to rely less on Amazon and Walmart and Costco and more on those small businesses that really have a passion for improving lives. Now, when it comes to gift giving, I have found in my own life that when I wait to the last minute and, oh my gosh, it's December 20th (laughs) and Christmas is in five days, I've procrastinated. I really haven't thought about what I'm giving people That's when I go to Amazon because I'm down to the wire. I don't have any time left and I know I can get what I need with two-day shipping, right? So my goal for me personally this December is to actually start thinking about gifts for everybody way earlier in the month, like December 1st or even earlier, like really start with a plan and not wait till the end of the month because we all know December goes so fast and before we know it, the holidays are here. And because I have a husband and because we do gift giving together a lot of the time, 
preparing in advance means having these conversations about what we're giving people with him so that we're not buying duplicates or so that we're not on completely different pages as we seek to show our loved ones that we love them with things or perhaps with non-things. So December, really quick recap, is to support local small businesses when you're buying as you do your holiday shopping. All right, we are moving right along to January. Now, January is the official start to the new year, right? January is the time that resolutions are made for. And my January challenge for you is one that many non-minimalists take on every January, and that is to embark on a dry January. Now, a dry January could be better named by saying a substance-free January if you're less of a drinker and you have some other (laughs) substance of choice, no judgment. But clutter is not just physical stuff, right? Clutter is anything and everything that doesn't serve you. So taking a break from alcohol or taking a break from really any habit that perhaps hinders more than it helps is a powerful way to live a life of intention. And that's what we're doing on this show. We're trying to find lives that are more aligned with our intentions. So mom wine culture has really exploded since the start of the pandemic, right? Mom drinking culture has always been there, (laughs) but it is really in the forefront now. I cannot scroll through Facebook without seeing one or two or even three mom wine memes, right? It is just so prevalent. And I'm wondering whether such prevalence really normalizes excessive drinking. Now, to be completely 100% honest and transparent, I am (laughs) a fairly oversized drinker. (laughs) Saying that I am fairly oversized may just be a nice and fancy way of saying I enjoy wine a heck of a lot. So there's no judgment here if you're in the same boat as I am. This January challenge does not come from a place of judgment at all. (laughs) It comes from a place of potential increased wellness because I have completed a dry month before and I have experienced the benefits that others shout from the rooftop and they include better sleep, lost weight, I lost a couple pounds without even trying, saved money because I'm not spending $10 on a bottle of wine. And so the bottom line here is that excessive drinking can lead to serious negative health outcomes like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and even cancer. So even though I love wine, and even though you may as well, a month off is not gonna kill us, right? (laughs) If we hate dry January, we can go right back to our own ways in February and live our best lives with Kabsov in our hands. (laughs) Now, a quick note here is that I did an entire episode on the connections between dry months and mental minimalism. It was an interview with Kim Miller, and it was episode number 66, if you missed it. It was aptly called How a Dry Month Complements Mental Minimalism. So if you missed it, take a listen, and I hope you will join me in January on a dry month. Now, before we get into February's challenge, a quick word from this week's sponsors. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is sponsored by Real Paper. 
The average American family uses three rolls of toilet paper per week, but there's a big problem with conventional toilet paper. Before it was toilet paper, it was a tree, and standing trees are cut down to make paper for our wiping needs every single day. Enter Real Paper, which offers an affordable 100% bamboo solution. Because bamboo grows faster than trees and requires fewer resources to produce, toilet paper made from bamboo is more eco-friendly than toilet paper made from trees. I appreciate that real paper is strong yet soft. I also love that an entire month's supply arrives at my doorstep in plastic-free packaging. And as a conscious consumer, I appreciate that real paper makes its sustainability efforts transparent on its website. Ordering is as easy as heading to realpaper.com and choosing how often you want yours delivered. Use code SUSTAINABLEMINIMALIST at checkout for free shipping and 25% off your first order. The podcast is also sponsored by Blissoma. Blissoma does things differently than most of the cosmetics industry, and that's because their estheticians create holistic and botanical skincare made from vitamins, omega fatty acids, herbs, and essential oils, not those hard-to-pronounce ingredients, petrochemicals, or synthetics. Blissoma is the real deal when it comes to ethical business practices, too. Zero ingredients, lack safety data, are tested on animals, or are harmful to skin or body. Their products come in glass bottles, too, and their production studio is 80% solar-powered. I have been using the Sustain line for two months now, and I am a huge fan of their five-star rated mild rice facial cleanser. There are no microbeads to be found in this cleanser, my friends. Instead, it is rice that gently exfoliates and cleanses. Head on over to blissoma.com, that's B-L-I-S-S-O-M-A.com, and enter code MINIMAL at checkout for 20% off Sustain Ecosystem products. Thank you so much to Blissoma, and thank you so much to Real Paper for sponsoring this episode. It is through sponsorships that I keep my content free for you, the listeners. We are moving right along to February's challenge, and this is a, I guess I would call it an anti-slow living strategy, but stay with me. The challenge for February is to say yes to five optional events opportunities that you would normally say no to. Now, I know what you're thinking. You are probably thinking, what the heck, Stephanie? Saying yes is the opposite of simple living. I've told you all the time before to say no to things that you don't want to (laughs) do. So why am I telling you to now say yes? I am a big proponent of mastering your no and saying saying it with confidence, being loud and proud, and not second guessing your no's. But I also wonder whether we get so comfortable saying no that we may sometimes miss out on the opportunities that may actually enrich our lives. Another way to say this, I suppose, would be to say that by saying no to opportunities, we may reject some of life's brilliance. February, in my opinion, is the perfect time to purposely challenge yourself to say yes to things, because February is often the month of hibernation. It's cold, generally. It's snowy, at least where I live. It's dark early. It is just the month for retreating. 
That said, though, don't just willy-nilly say yes to everything. Don't run yourself ragged with your accepted invitations. Be selective in what you say yes to and try to be a yes man or a yes woman on for size just for February. Does saying yes once in a while improve the quality of your life or does it not? February is a great way to experiment with this. The reality is that opportunity just never waits for perfect timing. There's never a perfect time, right? And if you consider yourself a spiritual person, you likely already know that the universe or God or whatever you call your higher power, that higher power has a bigger plan for you. And so even though that bigger plan may seem murky right now to you, Saying no to opportunities rejects not just the opportunity, but also the fun the opportunity may bring, the insight the opportunity may bring, and the gifts the opportunity may usher in as you journey down your unique path. So go ahead, say yes to some things. Maybe it's a small thing like accepting an invitation to a book club or an early morning workout. Maybe it's just saying yes and helping somebody who you see struggling. Or maybe you say yes to a bigger thing that really scares you, like an opportunity to speak at an oversized conference or an opportunity to write a book. The bottom line is that life is often fuller and richer, the key word being richer, when we say yes. So again, try it on in February, experiment a bit. If saying yes works for you, then keep going into March. But if it doesn't, you can always go back to saying no with loudness and proudness. Okay, so we are on to March. March's challenge is less screen time, more in-person time. Now, here's another challenge I really need to be honest with you. (laughs) I do believe I am addicted to my cell phone. I do not think I am the perfect person to give advice on limiting screen time. I find myself so often mindlessly scrolling through my phone. It's a boredom buster. I've really tried to analyze why am I always on my phone, and it's because being home can be boring. It's not always boring, but it can be, and the phone is a boredom buster. So March is going to be my month where I try to do something about this cell phone reliance once and for all. Now, consider these statistics. An average smartphone owner checks his or her device 47 times a day. 85% of cell phone users check their phone when talking to friends and family in person. So you, this happens all the time. You're talking to your friend and your friend whips out his or her phone and start scrolling or texting or doing something on it when you are in the middle of a face-to-face conversation. That's annoying, right? It's so annoying, but we all do it. Let's not normalize that anymore. Let's, let's nip that in the bud. Now, in 2018, an average user spent three hours per day on his or her mobile phone. Think about that number. Three hours per day. Well, if you have an Apple phone, you likely also have the Screen Time app. Have you ever looked at your weekly (laughs) Screen Time reports? I have, and the results were shocking, to say the least. My daily phone average is a whopping three hours and six minutes, which means I am right in line with the statistical averages. 
Now, even though I'm right in line with that average, I was shocked when I first saw that figure. Because that means I spend an eighth of my day on my phone. That means I spent a fifth of my waking existence on my phone. (laughs) That is insane. It's worse than insane. It's sad. It's sad because I'm not doing what I love to do when I'm busting my boredom on my phone. So what does less screen time in March look like in practice? It means perhaps leaving your phone downstairs and turning it off before bed. Don't bring it into the bedroom. It perhaps means embarking on a short errand without your phone. It means deleting the distracting apps, at least for March. You can always reinstall them, right? It means turning off those audio notifications for sure. If you want extra credit, you will turn off notifications altogether because notifications beg to be checked, right? If you don't have them on your phone, if you turn off notifications, you are going to be less likely to be pulled out of the present moment and into the black hole that is the cell phone. Now, an interesting stat that I found here is that only 30% of people who attempt to limit their cell phone usage succeed. But what's interesting is that the few people who do succeed, the 30% who do succeed, they overwhelmingly state that the number one strategy that worked for them was dedicating themselves to keeping their phone in their pockets or in their handbags when they are meeting people. So no more checking your phone at restaurants when you're sitting across the table from your best friend or mother, right? When we're in the presence of other people, other humans, in March, let's all challenge ourselves to keep that phone out of sight. Phew. All right, we're moving right on to April. We got April and May, and then we are done, my friends. If you find yourself getting overwhelmed, don't get overwhelmed. These are challenges, and challenges by nature are fun and light and airy. So no overwhelm here, just excitement. (laughs) April's challenge is to reconnect with a hobby you have been neglecting. Now, I had a bit of an epiphany last week. And I already know that once I say my epiphany out loud, you're going to think to yourself, that's it? (laughs) That's no epiphany, Stephanie. And it's really not. It's an undersized epiphany, I should say. But the key here is that to me, in my soul, it felt like a really big deal once it hit me. All right, so this was my epiphany. Are you ready? I'm really setting this up to be a huge letdown. So here we go. I realized That when I go on vacation, my absolute number one favorite thing to do is to sit outside on a gorgeous day and lose myself in an amazing book. If I could do that every day of a vacation, that would be a stellar vacation. Sit outside with a great book. (laughs) It's almost like I always knew this about myself, but I just never really admitted it to myself, if that makes any sense. So I haven't even gotten to the epiphany yet. (laughs) This is the epiphany. I realized that if that is what I genuinely love to do, if that is what I prioritize when I am on vacation, why am I not also then prioritizing sitting outside with a book in my daily life? Why am I not making that act a staple of my every days or at least my most days at the very least, right? I am willing to bet that you have hobbies that you love. Maybe that hobby is scrapbooking or sewing or heck, maybe it's 
podcasting, (laughs) right? Whatever it is, I'm willing to bet that you do not prioritize it. And I'm willing to bet that you don't prioritize it because life gets in the way and you've distanced yourself from your beloved hobby. Maybe even you have lost that beloved hobby altogether. So in April, my hope for you is that you get reacquainted. You prioritize your hobby. Essentially, you prioritize your passion. Even though there's the laundry to fold, even though there's the meals to cook, write your passion down. If you are big into writing out to-do lists like I am, write it down on your to-do list. And so when it's written down, you are more apt to get it done. And so you can cross it off the list. That is just like a tried and true strategy in my life. But life is too short to not enjoy it, right? And that's the sad truth. Life is too short. So the laundry can wait. With a bit of meal planning and a little bit of work on the front end, you can make stellar meals and embark on some serious hobby-related self-care, right? Make yourself and your own happiness your number one priority in April. Try that on for size. See how it feels. All right, we are down to May, and this is the final challenge for you today, and it is to remove one thing from your life that causes you stress. So right off the bat, if you consider yourself financially privileged, if you have disposable income, removing one thing from your life that causes you stress is going to be super simple, (laughs) right? Let's say cleaning the house causes you stress. If you have a disposable income, you can very easily hire a house cleaner to take that off your plate. Easy peasy. But for the rest of us who don't have that disposable income and we can't so much outsource, I really want you in May, as the weather improves and you don't want to do the things that cause you stress anymore, think about ways in which you can take that thing, whatever it may be, off your plate. Maybe if you have a spouse, you can (laughs) delegate. Maybe if you have older children, you could make this thing their contribution to the household. Maybe the thing that causes you stress isn't even a thing. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it is somebody who just dragged you down with drama, right? Whatever it is, I want you to try your darndest in May to either remove it from your life or legitimately and significantly distance yourself from it. And then observe how does removing or distancing yourself from this thing or person or obligation affect your inner calm. Now, again, there's always June. You can always go back to the way things were, but for 31 days, May has 31 days, I believe. For 31 days, you are giving yourself a break from whatever it is that causes you stress. All right, so really quick to recap, I'm going to go through each month with the challenge and Don't feel like you need to rush out and take notes. Everything that we're writing about today is in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 141. September's challenge is to commit to packing zero waste lunches. October, focus on one relationship in your life and improve it. November is to remove five things from your home each day as a means of decluttering. In December, your challenge is to support local small businesses as you do your holiday shopping. In January, dry January, here we come. February, 
Say yes to five events or opportunities that you would normally say no to. Moving on to March. March's challenge is less screen time, more in-person time. April, I want you to try your darndest to reacquaint yourself with a hobby you have been neglecting. And finally, in May, remove one thing from your life that causes you stress, at least just for that one month. I so hope that I have given you some serious inspiration as we embark on the new school year, and I will be talking about my own (laughs) struggles in our Facebook group, which you can find by searching Facebook for Sustainable Minimalists. Now, on next week's show, I am speaking with a representative from the World Wildlife Federation about the Living Planet Report. It is a just-released report that focuses on how biodiversity loss threatens the health of both people and the planet. We'll be unpacking that report on next week's episode. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends.